0: that's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tonight, Michael Brown joins me here. The
0: former FEMA director,
1: talk show host Michael Brown.
0: Brownie, now. Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. The Situation with Michael Brown. You're a political expert. On 6:30, KHOW, Denver's talk station. Oh, well,
2: This talkback has nothing to do with the discussion today. But if you're on E-470 and you're in the far left lanes, do at least the speed limit, please. This is irritating. 65, 60 miles an hour. No need for that. left, right, left. Platoon, halt. Listen up, Goobers!
3: Your mission is to ensure the little girl from virginia who says michael says gohere.com grows up in the land of the free and the home of the brave the rules of engagement for that mission are as follows first rule you will text a written set rep to secretary brown at 33103 on your phone second rule you will download the iheart media app where you will mark
2: the situation with michael brown and the weekend with michael brown as your favorites Third rule, you will use the red microphone button on the iHeartMedia app to record your verbal sit-rep for the secretary and his XO, Dragon Redbeard. Fourth rule, go to the website...
3: Michael says gohere.com. ...where you will follow Michael Brown on all social media platforms. Is that understood?
0: Good. Now, follow.
1: Sir, yes, sir. Leland Conway in for Michael Brown. By the way, that uh, talk back just a second ago, uh, Dragon... That is a guarantee that that person going slow in the left-hand lane is driving a Subaru on their way to Boulder. Just saying. <laughs> it is a guarantee they are driving a Subaru on a way to Boulder. All right. I'm going to get right into this because it's going to scare the crap out of you. Uh, Gordon Chang. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. It's Gordon G. Chang. He's the author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. Are we careening towards World War Three? Scary stuff. Uh, Grab some bourbon. Okay, because Gordon Jang is on the line with us now, and I want to talk to him about this very scary story. I really appreciate it. Um, man, I've been following your Twitter for a while, but I have to be really careful because sometimes I read it and I go, ah, crap, I'm scared, right? Like, like it's all going to fall apart. So I have, to, I, have to, I have to take your Twitter in small doses sometimes, but I say that as a compliment because you are reading the tea leaves of what's going on in the world. How precarious of a situation are we in right now? in terms of you take what might have been the three quote-unquote superpowers, the U.S., China, and, and Russia, and how all of that is playing out on the stage right now?
2: We've got to be extremely concerned for a number of reasons. First of all, the Chinese are being very aggressive. They're preparing for war, and they're making fast preparations, and they are determined. At the same time, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, has a lot of incentive to go to war, because he's got so many problems at home that he has no answers for except to rally the Chinese people with some sort of military misadventure abroad. And then to make this even worse, the Biden administration does not seem to be that um, alive to the dangers. They understand that China's a threat, but they don't understand the urgency. And I think that that you put all those together and it means that war could be a lot closer than most people think.
1: Yeah, and I want to I want to explore that concept with you and how it might actually erupt here in just a second. But there's also some man, gosh, I having you on here, I, I've got a lot to explore with you. I hope you got 15 minutes because we'll use all of it. But um, along those lines, um, it, it, the, the 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 thing that I think concerns me the most, not to chase a rabbit trail, but. We have a president who right now we're finding out is very compromised Uh, when he was vice president was selling influence. There's some evidence that some of that may have involved China, at least the Communist Party of China. Um, How concerned might we be that not only is the president not that awake to the China threat, but that in fact he may just literally be looking the other way?
2: A couple of things. First of all, Hunter Biden's legal team in the middle of March said that uh, a Chinese state company, CEFC, paid the Biden family millions of dollars as, quote, good faith seed funds. Well, that's an admission of corruption because corruption is the only explanation why a Chinese company would pay that amount of money in these circumstances. Right. So, yes, we've got to be extremely concerned that corruption is a factor. But we also got to remember, forgetting corruption, forgetting blackmail and intimidation and the rest of it, that as Robert Gates, our former defense secretary, famously wrote in 2014, that Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every foreign policy and national security matter of the last four decades. Mm. So even if he hasn't been taught, He's probably going to make the wrong decision when it comes to regard to China, for
1: instance. Yeah, that's true. He actually vehemently fought with President Obama about taking down Osama, Osama bin Laden. He, did, he didn't think that was a good idea. Um, you know, so there's, a, there's a, a long history of Biden being wrong on that front. Um, let's talk about a couple of things, and then I, then I want to circle back to this threat of, of war. Um, because it's, it, it's not just a hot war we should be concerned about with China, is it? I mean, we have things like TikTok that are going on that is essentially Chinese spyware that basically all of our kids are on doing little dances. What's, what's the real purpose behind that connection that TikTok has to the Communist Party of China? Well,
2: two things. First of all, TikTok is owned by Byte Dance, which is nominally a private company but it is managed by the Communist Party and the Chinese central government. They use TikTok for two things. First of all, to surreptitiously and illegally take data from Americans. And TikTok has violated every pledge it has made to the U.S. on data security. But an even greater threat to Leland is that they have used TikTok to propagate their narratives. So, for instance, last year, China used TikTok to amplify Russian disinformation about the Ukraine war. And TikTok glorifies drug use. Um, it does a number. It foment[s] violence on American streets. All sorts of things, and they're able to do that because they got a very sophisticated algorithm that curates content. In other words, it determines what your kid sees and what your kid does not see.
1: That's scary. I mean, when you think about it, because because I, I think a lot of people might ask the question: Well, I'm just Joe Schmo over here trying to get a Slurpee at the Seven Eleven. Why does China care about what's on my TikTok?
2: It cares because it is trying to destroy American society, and it will do anything to do that. So, for instance, TikTok does have community guidelines that prohibit videos promoting drug use. Right. But it takes you about 30 seconds to find videos with millions of views doing exactly that, telling kids how to use illegal substances.
1: Wow. That's that's pretty terrifying. Can can you talk for a minute about this weird relationship between private companies and communism that has emerged for the first time in the history of communism in China? Maybe for yeah. the first time. I mean, that that's weird to me because you mentioned that TikTok is nominally a private company, as are pretty much all private companies in China, right? The government can step in and do whatever the hell it wants, but they still have allowed this weird sort of quasi free market to flourish to an extent while also espousing communism can you explain how that works and what the purpose of it is from the communist perspective
2: the communist party runs a top-down system where no entity no individual can refuse a demand of the communist party The party demands absolute obedience so if they tell a chinese citizen that they have to commit an act of sabotage in the united states then that person has no a way to stop that. Also, the 2017 National Intelligence Law of China actually codifies the obligation of Chinese companies and individuals to commit acts of espionage, Article 714 of that law. So really what we're talking about is nobody has freedom in China. If the regime demands that they do something, they are...
1: So... <laughs> that's scary. I mean, it's it's like imagine as bad as we think it is here in the United States. Imagine you're just the corner grocer and you get a visit from a couple of guys in suits. And they're like, yeah, if you want to keep open, you got to do X, Y and Z. And it's dangerous and it's illegal and could get you in all kinds of trouble, but you got to do it anyway. Like, that's scary. But but why do you think com- like communist China allowed for a, a semblance of free markets to exist at all. Like, why did they do that? What is that purpose?
2: Yeah, in, at the end of the 1970s, after Zedong, the founder of the People's Republic, died in 1976, Deng Xiaoping, his eventual successor, realized that they didn't open up China to some sort of private enterprise that the regime would fail. Um, and so this was a matter of survival for the Communist Party. And that's why they allowed um, a little bit of loosening of China. And it resulted in what's called the Reform Era, um, decades of extraordinary growth. But Xi Jinping, the current ruler, um, is a Maoist. And so he is um, reversing the process, and he's making sure that state enterprises are um, dominate the economy, and he's reinstituting totalitarian social controls. Mm-hmm. So we have China moving back to Maoism
0: okay
1: so so it was per, it was it, it, there was a period of time where this potential movement in china could have been a good thing had the right leaders arose that would have put it more on the path like say gorbachev in russia at one time towards more democracy but the wrong leader arose and now he's like screw that we're go, we got a bunch of money now so we're going to go back to total totalitarian and co- communism
2: that's right and, and i i would basically say that in the communist party of china it was never really going to liberalize to the full extent right what we had with Xi Jinping one of the first things he did when he became China's ruler is he actually talked about Gorbachev and said that Gorbachev was not a quote-unquote real man mm. and that he did not um, defend the socialist system in the Soviet Union right um, so Xi Jinping was warning everybody you cannot be a Gorbachev
1: right wow so let's go back to war um we're talking with gordon g chang and you can follow him on twitter gordon g chang that's all you need to do he's the author of the coming collapse of china and the great u.s china tech war um is china going to collapse or are we going to go to war first
2: i i think that probably war going first is is a more likely scenario xi jinping is known to be the author of policies that have caused these real problems in chinese society and so he has full accountability because he has uh, almost total power. Not quite. But the point is, he has nobody else to blame, which means that he understands that um, he, he needs to rally the Chinese people. The only way he can do that, and China right now has got a lot of problems, um, the only way he can do that is to attack somebody, create a, um, a war where he rallies people. Um, this is exceedingly dangerous. And the problem is that Uh, Our political leadership, and it's not just Biden, it's, um, you know, this runs in both parties, both liberals and conservatives don't understand the urgency of this.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say that perhaps, you know, the the Chinese have always been long-term strategic thinkers, and they've always been patient and willing to play the long game, and perhaps that opportunity has finally arrived where we formerly— Um, were the world's greatest power and we were very focused in maintaining that order and we now are the most divided we've been at least since the Civil War perhaps longer now might be the best opportunity to do something that shakes up the world order from their perspective that's that's probably the scariest part is like I think I think a strong unified directional America keeps us from having this conversation Gordon, but the fact that we are so divided as a nation and our leadership is so feckless and inept, I can't think of a better time for China to make a move.
2: Yes. Well, when Xi Jinping um, bid bid farewell to Vladimir Putin in Moscow on March 22nd, this was after their 40th in-person chat, um, the Chinese leader said, quote, change is coming that hasn't happened in 100 years. And you and I, he's talking to Putin. You and I are driving this change together, which is basically Xi Jinping saying that he's the boss of the world and the U.S. is no longer a factor. And I think the Chinese can see that the United States is starting to understand China uh, and the maliciousness of the regime. Um, So he needs to strike now before we actually get our act together. And so this is a moment of extraordinary consequence for the United States and for the world.
1: So how do you see it unfolding if it unfolds? Is it an errant missile in the Ukraine hitting Russian territory, China goes all in, and then it slowly becomes a hot war? Or do you see China saying, you know what, let's just pop over there and take Taiwan and see what they do?
2: There's a number of things. You know, I do worry, of course, of Xi Jinping waking up one morning and saying, we're taking Taiwan this afternoon. But a much greater danger is that one of these dangerous intercepts of ships or planes in the global commons is going to trigger a series of events that leads to war yeah. the chinese political system now is so militarized that it could not act constructively should one of those quote-unquote accidents occur of course these are not accidents these are deliberately provoked by beijing
1: right i mean you were you were just on news over the weekend and you were talking about one of those events that took place it was a close call i believe it was over australia if i remember correctly but um it was one of those things that could have easily been much more than a tragedy.
2: Yeah, I was referring to the incident that took place on May 26 over the South China Sea in oh, yeah. international airspace, right? Where the Chinese uh, almost brought down an Australian reconnaissance craft. Right. They fired chaff, which is like aluminum foil, meant to confuse radar. It was ingested into one of the two wow. engines of the Australian plane. And that was exceedingly dangerous because it could have resulted in tragedy.
1: I mean, if they had taken that plane down, even if it was by accident, we would have had to respond because uh, Australia is an ally. I mean, it's like attacking Great Britain, right?
2: It was an attack on an Australian aircraft, on the the Australian state. Yeah. And by the way, China um, intercepted our U.S. RC-135 on May 26th of this year same day one year anniversary that's interesting sending a message
1: yeah that's interesting i think i got those two events confused when when i was asking you about it because that's interesting so um let's talk real quickly about the spy balloon because how does this play into this whole thing because i thought it was weird that we let it go all the way over the united states and then shot it down over the atlantic after it became a thing i thought it was weird that the reuters reported that the state department was like ah we're not really going to react too strong what really happened there
2: couple things. First of all, that balloon entered territorial U.S. airspace in Alaska on January 28th. Um, according to reporting, which I believe is true, the Pentagon did not notify President Biden until the fourth day of the incursion, which is completely unacceptable. Right. Um, that shows a failure at the top of the, the Pentagon. And then they made wrong decisions of allowing that balloon to float over some of the most sensitive sites of the U.S., um, and so really what we're talking about is China trying to figure out if they could disrupt command and control of our nuclear assets, which means they're thinking of a first strike on the United States by their nuclear weapons. Wow. Um, and then you know Damn. you pointed out.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just like, crap.
2: <laughs> and the other thing that you pointed out was that Reuters story about the State Department delaying the imposition of measures on China that it had previously scheduled because they didn't want to increase tension after the spy balloon incident, which basically gives an incentive to China to act yeah. even more provocatively in the future. Yeah. So this is really bad policy on the part of the Biden team opening the door to what could be World War III.
1: Yeah. Okay. So last thing, because I only got like a minute and a half here. If there is war, assuming it's not all out mutually assured destruction, you know, um, nuclear war. But if it's war, who wins? We
2: don't know. Um, It could very well be China. And I don't think we can make the assumption that it would stay conventional because uh, China has threatened the use of its nuclear weapons.
1: Wow. See, you scare me, Gordon G. Chang. You scare me, brother. But I'm glad you're out there because people need to hear this message. Will you come on with us again?
2: I would love to. I'd be
1: honored. Yeah, appreciate. it was great talking to you, and, and I appreciate your depth of knowledge on these issues, and I, and I, I appreciate that you're out there sounding the alarm bell. I, I just hope people wake up to it and realize what the real threats in the world are. And Wow. I didn't mean to depress you or anything. And now we're going to talk about uh, Governor Polis McFeamy. Taking away your Tabor refunds with my friend Ben Murray from the Independence Institute when we continue. Plus a bunch of really cool texts coming in, 33103 if you want to text the show. Leland Conway in for Michael Brown, 630K How, Denver Stock Station.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, this message is for Tim. I just wonder if there's any chance he might ever get Carol Burnett to come on uh, and give us an update of what she's been doing since you two left the show. Thanks. You people. <clears throat> it's Leland Conway, not Tim Conway. Never just heard because- of him. Just because of the lovable curmudgeon in the morning, Michael Brown doesn't know the names right. Doesn't mean you have to keep doing that. All right. Leland Conway in for the great Michael Brown. He will be back with you on Tuesday. He is a lovable curmudgeon. I'm just saying. Just saying. Uh, In the text box, 33103. Leland, I take offense to the Subaru comment. I can drive just as fast as you can in my Subaru. Yeah, you can, but you won't. I don't think you said it right. Leland, I
0: take offense oh, to the Subaru comment. I can drive just as fast as you can.
1: I'm telling you, if if you get stuck behind somebody going slow in the left-hand lane, 99 to one, it's a Subaru headed to Boulder. And it's 99 got a to 1.
0: sticker on the back.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's got to coexist and uh, uh, coexist and I love. And a Grateful Dead sticker, and then uh, I Hate Trump, like Orange Man Bad sticker as well. Um, that'll be on there too. So, yeah, always with the Subarus. I don't think – I think Subarus have either a governor or they're just pedal cars. I mean, I, I think actually inside the, the people who are actually pedaling. That's why they can't get up to speed on it very well. So, um, okay, let me, let me just uh, – I want to bring our next guest on to the program this morning. Um, but let me say this first. So – this legislature that we have here in Colorado is the most duplicitous, deceitful, um, conniving group of people I've ever seen in my life. It's insane. I've been in the state for almost five years now, and every year they've taken more of my freedom and more of my money. And they do it sometimes right in front of your face. Sometimes they lie to your face. Sometimes they do conniving little plots, which I think is what's unfolding now when the legislature wrote a deceitful uh, ballot measure that led people to believe that they were not doing what they were doing, got rid of the Gallagher Amendment in 2020. That set up a problem that we were going to have this year when assessments came out. And so uh, they knew this. They put it out. Uh, they, they, they delayed it till after the governor's election or re-election. And then they put it to the very end of the legislative session uh, with the help of the media getting it out there that this was a terrible thing that our tax, uh, our property taxes are going to go up a huge amount. Some people are going to see 75% tax increases on their property tax, so on and so forth. And then they said, hey, we got a plan. Let us take away your TABOR refunds and uh, we'll lower the massive tax increase by just a slight amount. That's the choice that now Coloradans have, Proposition HH. You're going to be asked to vote on Proposition HH. It's going to have deceitful language in it going to tell you that it's going to give you property tax relief from these massive new assessments and what happens with those massive new assessments with the absence of the Gallagher Amendment. And you're going to be asked to vote to give up your Tabor refunds because that's what they're using is the surplus to lower those property taxes, to give up your Tabor refunds over a period of 10 years in order for a slightly smaller massive tax increase. Ben Murray is with the Independence Institute. They've been following this story. They've been explaining it to people. Uh, we talked a little bit about a lawsuit that basically tried to get Prop HH and that whole legislation thrown out because it it has multiple different subjects in a proposition, which that's illegal. But the judge, activist judge, said, ah, now we'll let that go ahead. So here's where we are. What do we do now? Ben, welcome back. How are you, sir?
3: Hey, Leland. Thanks for, thanks for bringing me back on about this issue.
1: Yeah. So this, the lawsuit, we sort of had a feeling it was going to happen. Um, the lawsuit was, I think, on very good grounds that there were multiple topics in this Proposition HH, which is illegal. But for whatever reason, the judge decided to toss that. What, what was the excuse the judge used for why we should still have to vote on something that covers so many issues in the fall?
3: Well, he said something to the effect of, "And I'm in my car because I'm dealing with uh, Nuggets traffic here." (laughs)
1: Yeah,
3: um, good luck. So, so I, I I can't pull it up. But he said something to the effect of, um, "You know, I can understand the argument that this is two subjects that taking away your table refunds forever." He didn't use these words. He said, "I can understand the argument that taking away your table refunds forever, as well as making changes to the property tax system, might be understood as two separate subjects." But you know, and, and effectively, what he was saying in legalese was. But ending your table refunds is really just incidental to changing the property tax code. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But, you know, look, he was relying on previous precedents. Yeah. So it's not like he was just pulling this out of nowhere. Now, he, he, you know, judges pick and choose what precedents to pick to to, to use, right? Um, There's other precedents. That effectively says – and this is actually the prevailing precedence in this – and look, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. I should, probably shouldn't try to play lawyer on the radio. Right. But there's, there's other pre- precedence that's typically looked at for this section of the Constitution, it's artic- Article 5, Section 21, if anybody wants to look it up. And basically the, the point of the section that the court has ruled in the past is to prevent log rolling. And what log rolling is is when you've got a popular measure – but you want to do something unpopular, and so you attach the unpopular thing to the popular thing in order to get the unpopular thing through. Right,
1: right. right. And,
3: and what the unpopular thing is here basically is Proposition CC 2.0, right? We, re- we remember t- Proposition CC in 2019 when they, when they tried to increase our taxes by taking our taper refunds,
1: right? Right, right.
3: But when they did it that time around, it was just a straight, hey, let's take your taper refund. And people were like, uh, no. <laughs> you know? yeah, so people right. voted against that when Governor Polis campaigned in 2019 to end our taper refunds. And so that's what they're doing here is they're they're log rolling that they're they're going, okay. well, when we just simply asked to take people's table refunds, people said no. So let's attach this to what we're calling property tax relief and see if we can take their table refunds that way. I mean, this is the this is like the quintessential case of why that section of the Constitution exists. Right. The courts have said that in the past. But this judge in this case used a different precedent to basically rubber stamp the measure.
1: Is there any any chance of an appeal of that, or are we now on to phase there, two there of the plan to, to try appeal. to fight yeah. this?
3: There is there is going to be an appeal. Unlikely that, that appeal will go through before the the, the right. November election. So at this point, voters, I mean, you know, they are going to be left in that lose lose situation, right. where you know they're going to have to choose between either getting the largest property tax increase in Colorado history and just accepting that because our politicians right. have put us in this position, or option two is they can. vote in favor of so they can vote in against the measure HH and get the largest property tax increase in Colorado history or option two is they can vote for the measure and still get the largest property tax increase in Colorado history just slightly less yeah and then also give up the their TABOR refunds forever so those are the those are the options our politicians have left us with
1: so you can call me a conspiracy theorist if you want but I I just I've I've judged people by their actions and the the, what I've seen in terms of the actions from this legislature is I I feel like this was all planned from the beginning with the getting rid of the Gallagher amendment through deceitful language and then waiting until there really was no other option and then forcing what you call that log roll down the throats of the Colorado people. I felt like this was a strong arm move. It was planned from the beginning. It was all part. And and they, they couldn't, they couldn't fix this before the election because whatever fix you have to this, is not necessarily going to be super popular. So you do it right after the re-election of the governor and right at the end of the legislative session, and it gives the most amount of time for people to kind of quote-unquote get over it, causes the least amount of political damage, and you have the best chance of actually achieving what your strategy is, and that is to get rid of TABOR refunds and keep all that money for the state. That is that is my opinion on on how this all came together. But I guess at this point, this is what we're dealing with, and we have to, we have to move forward. And that means that we're going to have to take that 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 terrible choice of which knife do we want the state to stab us in the back with in the fall. So let's walk through um, kind of Proposition HH and why our logic is that you should vote against it, even though it means you're going to get a massive tax increase. Let's walk through that logic there for people.
3: So. Leland, I think I think that you're right in saying that they were very clever and very, very premeditated in how they and how they put this all together. Um, and right. look, this just shows how the political left in this state just runs circles around the right. Yeah. Right. Here, here we were. We you know, half of our coalition, so to speak, people who, who are more fiscally conservative, half of our coalition supported repealing Gallagher. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. they're thinking three years ahead about how to take a, our table refunds once we once we stupidly give up Gallagher in exchange for nothing. Right. Right. Um, so that's where we are, and like I said, we're in this lose-lose situation. I think people vote against HH. Um, I strongly believe people should vote against HH because yeah. um, they will lose far more over the long term than what they gain in property tax relief. Yeah. And, and let me also dispel this misnomer that this is property tax relief, okay? Right. Um, so Governor Polis likes to say, oh, this is, I'm giving you property tax relief that that doesn't match with something he said when he was repealing gallagher right when he was repealing gallagher he said this isn't a repeal we're going to repeal it and replace it okay well this is this is the replacement right 3 years later we finally get the replacement at the last second and we, you know sort of choose what choose what mm-hmm. knife they will stab you in the back with this is right. the replacement right that he's offering if this is the replacement to gallagher gallagher then this is a massive tax increase because yes. under gallagher our ta- we would not have had this this, this problem with property taxes under gallagher property taxes would have stayed in check right homeowners wouldn't be seeing 30 40 50 70 percent increase right. in property taxes if gallagher were still in place so if this is the replacement for gallagher then it is, then it is a massive massive property tax increase just a yeah. slightly less massive tax increase than we would have seen if we would have repealed gallagher and did nothing
1: at all right yeah. so that's, that's a great want. point it, yeah that's a great point <clears throat>
3: Yeah, and, and that's look, that's number one, and there are two things that, that I think Coloradans really need to be thinking carefully about. Number one is, do I want to give up hundred, literally hundreds of billions of dollars in potential cable refunds over the next several decades in exchange for a tiny bit of property tax relief for the next couple of years, hmm. right? Um, that, that's the first question they need to be asking themselves, Right. and, and I think the obvious answer to that, to that is no, but the second thing they need to be thinking about is, wait a second. My politicians are not doing me a favor here. They want to talk like they're doing me a favor, like they're giving me a property tax break. But really, they've, 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 they've hoisted upon me the largest property tax increase in Colorado history. And now they're trying to come, a, come after my taxpayer refunds in addition. And in fact, they're extorting me out of my taxpayer refunds in order to get a tiny bit of relief from the increase they just put on, on my home, right? Yeah. And, and they need to be thinking carefully about what the people they've chosen to represent them have done to them when they yeah. come to the election booth in 2024 you know because ultimately that is the way to stop this kind of nonsense
1: yeah i i fully agree with you it's like the mafia you're you're trying to run a little restaurant and the mafia comes in and they go look we're going to take 10 percent of your money um or we're going to break your knees and take 10 of your money which one do you want <laughs> you know it's like yeah i mean uh, that's, that's the choice that's,
3: we're that's making actually a, that's a, actually a really good analogy I, I, i've been trying to think of what are good analogies you know one i had was crooked payday lender, you know, right. where they, they'll, they'll, they'll get you out of your bind right now, It's like you're in a bind in the short term, you got to pay your rent, and you need a quick buck, but yeah. you're going you're gonna to pay way more for it over the long term than what yeah. you're getting right now in the short term. Um, yeah. Only, only, only let's modify the whole payday lender thing where the only reason why you're in a bind, you can't pay your rent and need the payday lender is because unbeknownst to you, the payday lender actually broke into your car and stole your paycheck from you <laughs> right. out of your glove box. Yeah. And so that's why you're in the bind to begin with. Right, yeah. and the politicians are the crooked payday lenders. You know, yeah. they are the reason why you need the payday
1: loan <laughs> yeah. that you are going to yeah. end up
3: paying for four times over over the long term.
1: I just i I wonder how many. If we can't figure out how to fix this, I wonder how many more high producing Colorado taxpayers will move if we can't fix this.
3: Look, it, it, it's it's not like that. It, it, it's death by a thousand cuts. You yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, look at california California's been been making it unattractive to come to California in terms of their public policy they've been making it right. unattractive to come there for decades but yeah. you know it, it's taken time for people to for California to bleed the the billionaires and stuff and they have you know you've seen Toyota yeah. leave California you've seen musk leave california you've, you've seen all these productive people leave California take businesses take jobs with them, but it doesn't happen overnight because of one policy yeah and I think that's the direction more and more Colorado is headed we're still we're still living off of the, in, off of the, um, let's say the enjoyment of past good policies that have made yes. Colorado an attractive place to be. Yes. And we're actually there's a transition period. There's a period of time where you're still benefiting because look, it's hard to leave a place. It's hard to pick up your business, yeah. uh, your factory, and move it out of the state. It's expensive. I mean, things yeah, got get really bad before that becomes worthwhile.
1: Yeah, they right? they've, they've so got people in a bind and they're taking advantage yeah, of it.
3: Exactly. And there's always kind of that transition period where, you know, you're still benefiting from the uh, economic activity that's come to your state from past good policies. Right. Right. So in the past policies, we had we have Tabor, we have all these things that made it attractive to come here. And there's a period where people start to um, take that for granted. They start electing politicians who do this kind of nonsense. And there's that in-between period, maybe a decade or two decades. Where, hey, things are pretty good, and we're kind of we, – we think we're getting away with all these bad policies, but then the bleed starts to happen. And yeah. then one day you wake up and you go, what happened to Colorado? <laughs> Everybody's left. Nobody wants to be here anymore. Nobody's coming here anymore. And the first sign is people aren't coming, right? Yeah. The first sign yeah. is that people are leaving. The first time people aren't coming. Unfortunately right? – Although I will say, that, I will say I, I, that Denver is now one of the top ten cities in the U.S. people are leaving.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Ben, i got to run. I'm up against it. But listen, man, as always, thank you for what you do. Independence Institute. Make sure you follow them. These guys are really important. We're going to talk more in the future on this. Thanks so much for your time, man. Thanks, Leland. Bye. All right, have a good one. Ben uh, Murray from the Independence Institute. I am Leland Conway in for Michael Brown. 630 K How Denver's talk station.
0: 18
2: plus. I just wanted to give Mike my support today During his gender reassignment
0: surgery I hope everything goes well <laughs> Oh my god You people are Wow That's love right there That is
1: love I will tell you that is love Leland Conway in for the great Michael Brown Apparently, we have pissed off the Subaru owners, Dragon. Oh, darn. Apparently, the Subaru drivers are really mad at us. Look it. We had somebody that, call, that did a talk back and they said, Hey, doesn't have anything to do with what you're talking about, but I'm just really sick of people in the far left lane driving 10 miles below the speed limit. And all I said was the truth. I speak the truth, okay? All I said was the truth, and the truth is, that if you're driving on the interstate in the city of Denver, anywhere in or around the city of Denver, and somebody is going too slow in the left-hand lane, 99 to 1, they're driving a Subaru headed to Boulder. That's just the truth. And if you don't like that truth, I look, I get, that doesn't mean there's not like one. I said 99 to 1. Did I say 100 to 1 or 100 to nothing? I said 99 to 1. So, yeah, so apparently the one Subaru driver that doesn't drive slow in the left-hand lane is really on us today, Dragon.
0: So I do love how they texted in and saying, I have, I have a magnet <laughs> that says, I love my grand dog, grand dog, grand dog on the back of my Subaru. So, yeah, uh-huh. so that's pretty much equivalent to the coexist sticker. A hundred percent. You've done nothing to make your case, Subaru.
1: Uh, says, I drive up to 10 miles over the speed limit. I don't want a speeding ticket. That's fine. Just get out of the freaking left-hand lane. I'm not saying just because you drive a Subaru, you have to go the speed limit. Just stay on the right side. (laughs) I saw, I can't remember which state it was. Oh, it was Arizona. Uh, Pinal County Sheriff does these social media videos. And he did one where he he filmed himself pulling over a slow driver in the left hand lane. And he did this whole diatribe while he's pulling him over because he's like he's got the camera in the in the in his truck. And he's telling him he's like, if you're gonna drive slow in the left hand lane, I'm gonna pull your ass over. And then he films himself pulling over a, <laughs> a left hand lane slow driver. i I want a forklift on the front of my truck, so I can just pick you Subarus up. Move you gently over to the next lane over, and then go on by. That's what I want. Three three one zero three. If you want to text the show, or 57739. Five, 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 seven, That's my other one. I am Leland Conway in for Michael Brown. Six thirty K How Denver Stock Station.
0: next time.